Hi, I'm Julie Miller, Chief Compliance and Training Officer for Legacy Care. Yolanda Hogue is our guest today. She recently joined our Legacy Care team, serving as a transitional care advanced practice provider in our Richmond region. Yolanda is a dynamic nurse practitioner who has delivered care to patients for more than a decade with a focus on emergency medicine, uh, going so far as to complete her nurse practitioner fellowship through the emergency physician residence program in California, as well as uh, addressing public health and multiple other aspects of clinical care. So welcome to the show. Hi, it's great to be here. Thank yeah. you for having me. Absolutely. So let's start with the basics. Uh, transitional care management, or TCM, as we call mm-hmm. it, is a new service for legacy care. Can you describe what the service is and its goals? Absolutely. So TCM, like you said, it, it, it's a national care model that targets older adults with multiple chronic conditions complicated by other risk factors and needs. Uh, What they did was they took and looked at social barriers, multiple challenges, um, such as food scarcity, um, things that are kind of um, not at their their direct um, need uh, when they get home um, during after uh, an episode of uh, acute illness. So with these findings, it prompted a need for this service And um, mainly because what they found was the main implication for this service was poorly managed healthcare needs of older adults. Uh, One of the facts that um, I found is that uh, 20 million, over 20 million Medicare recipients, out of those, um, 37% have five or more chronic conditions. And so a report from Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, a CMS uh, report that they did in 2012, it implicated that older adults with these chronic conditions had more frequent episodes of acute illnesses, higher rates of health care encounters, which were both for the physician and emergency room. So the goal for this TCM project is to definitely try and reduce those emergency department encounters and also repeat um, rehospital admissions. Yeah, so it sounds like really the focus is um, reducing that return to hospital um, and using the emergency room as the the um, impetus for a seeking care versus primary care um, pursuit. Absolutely. Um, so now that we have a good foundation for TCM, can you share with us a day in the life example to help illustrate how TCM works across the continuum of care? I know you've uh, had some um, very recent experiences that have really um, proven the value of the service. So can you go into a little bit? Sure, absolutely. So the day in the life, um, it is a little non-traditional. Um, and I say that because, of course, there's no suturing or intubations involved <laughs> with the <laughs> advanced yeah, none practice. none of the glam and the glitz. Absolutely. <laughs> um, but uh, typically we'll start with hospital rounding. And what this does is it allows a face-to-face introduction. Um, and then we can get kind of a, a collaborative with the patient. Sometimes there's even family by the bedside, and we're able to really gather um, diagnostics that are ongoing, that are pending, uh, any of the uh, agendas as far as follow-up. And we also address right there um, by the bedside is the concerns. So in other words, we're really there for the bedside to just take a moment of the transitional care model 
it recognizes that during episodes of acute illnesses, there are a lot of people that are involved on the team, and sometimes they just don't talk. They, mm. you know, we, we forget what one hand is doing, and mm-hmm. um, and so uh, uh, the gastroenterologist may have an idea um, for a procedure, and the cardiologist is not really in line with it. Mm-hmm. So we're there to kind of really provide that. Um, understanding with the patient and and also to see what their buy-in and if they understand it. The other side of a day in the life is post-discharge. So we really want to capture when the patient has been discharged. And we can do this several ways. We can use telehealth or we can actually do a an actual home visit, which seems to um, really excite the patient because they have met you in the hospital they feel like they've kind of gone through something with you, and mm-hmm. now you're you're meeting them in their home space, and so it really kind of provides a rapport. Um, and then there's also the phone rounding approach. Mm-hmm. Uh, phone rounding is is turning out to be quite unique. Um, you you get to elicit a lot of family history mm-hmm. um, from them. I, I I just did a telephone call the other day and. Uh, the brother was excited to have our services, and so he was a little confused about medication and directed his sister to call me. And as we were talking, I discovered that she has 60 cows and 800 wow. chickens that she tends to. And so <laughs> unique conversations like that really kind of help streamline um, care that'll that'll be given at the home. Yeah, so it definitely sounds like you're an integral piece in there as far as, like you said, talking about medication, cer- certainly doing that medication reconciliation and medication yes. education to ensure compliance. Absolutely. Because uh, that's one of the keys that was identified that was uh, found to be a high risk for return to hospital was that medication compliance and that understanding of why they needed to be taking those right. medications, right. Um, as well as making sure that they did all those follow-ups with those specialists and things like that to make sure that they continue continued on with their recovery. Um, so I, I guess, how do you identify patients who are at risk for complications or being admitted, readmitted back to the hospital after a procedure? Is there a, a special a checklist that you use or is there a program or, or what, are we, what do you do? Absolutely. That's, so um, what CMS, um, they've, they've really paved the way with historical data. And what they did was they identified six overlapping categories associated with negative outcomes for patients. Mm-hmm. And out of those six, um, all of them are equally important. Um, there's the, the lack of patient engagement, um, absent or inadequate communication, uh, lack of collaboration among the team members, what we mm-hmm. kind of discussed earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there was limited follow-up and monitoring. And that poor continuity of care absolutely existed. But the the bottom, the main one is um, the serious gaps in services at uh, as patients move in between healthcare professionals. So often we find that patients don't go to the doctor. Um, so they, they may say they've had a doctor on board for years, but they have not actually seen them for years. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the second part of the, the answer is, um, Legacy has developed a cutting edge predictive analytics program, and this is able to receive information from our healthcare system partners. And, um, it's able to tally the risk 
risk factors that a patient may have, like we just discussed. Oh, and by the way, they, they haven't seen their primary and they have chronic heart failure. Um, and that in turn will, will give us out the probability um, of how they may uh, succumb to a, a rehospital admis uh, admission. And so once we're identified, they are um, put onto our care list and, and, and our services begin there. Okay. So once they're identified, once they're on that list, um, those data points that that predictive analytics program identifies, how does that help you deliver patient, better patient care? What is that? Does that give you like guidelines or there, um, are there protocols and things like that we identify? How is that all implemented? What is, how does that work? You're right. So um, that predictive analytics, it, it's an awesome tool. And, and what it does is it gives us an early interception. Mm. Um, and, and this really allows for a more in-depth patient education. It, it, it helps us center on how the patient learns. Again, um, what is their uh, stakeholder? What's their buy-in to mm. their healthcare responsibility? Um, and it find, it helps us um, really focus on the engagement that needs to occur. Like you said earlier, um, recognizing food scarcity, um, recognizing medication um, concerns that they may have had. And, and most importantly, that predictive analytics tools, it, it kind of prepares a, a solid, I like to call it a solid structural healthcare bridge. And this is for that patient to use during this acute episode. Mm -hmm. A lot of times it's just creating that path for them. Right. Absolutely. So, um, you know, how do you determine, you know, certainly we see, as you said, you know, uh, 37% of our Medicare population has, you know, five or more comorbidities, yes, which is certainly absolutely. daunting. Um, but how do you determine a treatment plan for your patients? How does that, how does that work? How do you, you know, do you follow best practice or, or what kind of things do you look at? Absolutely. So as the transitional care advanced practice provider, my goal is to prevent breakdowns um, in, in, in care across the settings. This is the hospital, home, um, what we've found, and, and this is historical data can really kind of, it, it proves this for us, but having the same provider deliver and coordinate the intervention throughout the entire care episode mm -hmm. really promotes trust. It fosters core comp components and coordination, um, outreach to all involved physicians, whether it's the PCP, the specialists, hospitalists, social workers, nurses, skilled homes. Um, and as well as community-based uh, organizations, uh, sometimes even uh, adult protective services, if mm -hmm. we need them, um, are there. And and this is important because it achieves a shared understanding. Yeah. And so the patient's goals and care plans, all while using, um, you know, IT, electronic health records, that predictive analytics score that we talked mm -hmm. about, secure email, that plays a huge impact um, regarding the collaboration. Mm -hmm. And so what happens is the TCM, you know, requires, we require a substantial upfront investment. And yeah. this is from the whole team kind yeah. of across. So using this multidisciplinary approach kind of streamlines that treatment plan. Mm -hmm. And um, rigorous um, scrubbing of the... Um, protocols and best practices, it's shown that we put these to use the decrease uh, a burden to the patients and family caregivers um, really seems to enhance the outcomes. Yeah. So just kind of along, I'm just going to kind of bridge that for a minute. So mm -hmm. do you feel that 
um, you you get a very positive buy-in from patients when you approach them with this with this model that 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 we've launched. Do you find that it's a you're getting a lot of positive response and buy-in from families and patients as well? Absolutely. Um, okay. There's a lot of background work that happens. Um, like he's talked about the hospital rounding. Mm-hmm. Um, we've been doing kind of a back-end approach here lately. Uh, and so the hospital's been sending me um, potential patients with the high-risk factors, three-plus up to numerous chronic comorbidities. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I reach out to the family, and mm-hmm. they really are just surprised at um, – wow, this is a service, you mean I'm going to be able to call you? And they are just really utilizing it. They're, yeah. they're calling to check in. They're calling to, you know, report um, their visits in the hospital. Um, and so it's really, it, it's providing a sense of calmness because, like I just told one of my patient's family member, um, I rather would want to talk to her because I wanted her to enjoy and actually be a caregiver by the bedside instead of wondering um You know, while she's in the hospital visiting her husband, I didn't want her mind to be wondering, like, how am I going to get him, Mm. you know, up for for his bath? Or how am I going to do this all alone? Mm -hmm. And so being able to provide that upfront investment on our end really elicits what they're willing to do as well. Yeah. Awesome. So, you know, what type of patients do you find are most at risk for complications that lead to readmission? Yeah. So... While legacy care, we recognize that that some hospital readmissions and appro- are, are just going to be appropriate and unavoidable. Right. Um, Thirteen to twenty percent of um, those experienced by chronically ill older adults are conversationally estimated to be preventable. Hmm. Um, and this was a study by Bentler, Morgan, Viren, and, and Wolski done in twenty fourteen, but. In addition to, like, there, there is a tremendous human burden and a, and a societal cost that are associated with caring for older adults. But we did, um, what we did was uh, the average cost. We looked at the average cost. Mm-hmm. And one patient with two, one comorbidity annually can cost about 2000 two something dollars, right? Mm. This is a, a study by Lochner and uh, and others on 2013. And it found that up to patients who had five or more conditions um, were averaging about $31,000 each episode. So, yeah, the the facts were just, like, alarming. So the vast vast majority of these costs were due to rates that were high, due to repeat. It may have been avoidable hospital admission or rehospitalization. Mm-hmm. So what patients are at risk, you know, um, it's evidence-based. Mm-hmm. It's, 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 it's ones that have five or more acute or active, excuse me, active chronic conditions. If they've had recent falls, mm-hmm. um, if they've got a diagnosis of um, deficits with their activities of daily living, um, usually a, a, a diagnosis of dementia, poor performance on a cognitive um, Impaired screening tools that use that to recognize and hospitalizations for sure within mm. the last 30 days. Those sure. guys come up on the list. And if they've had two or more hospitalizations in the last six months. And then we've added um, what, what I love about legacy cares. We've also kind of encapsulated with this is we're going to start to look at frequent emergency room visits as well. Because mm-hmm. we're going to really try to um, 
um, recognize that. And, and, and again, those, those chronic conditions range from pneumonia, sepsis, congestive heart failure, hypertension uncontrolled for mm -hmm. years. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it sounds like really not only are we trying to prevent readmissions to the hospital, but it sounds like we're really trying to focus more on reducing that ER burden. Absolutely. Um, it's part of the if cost. It's, yeah, yeah. If it's, mm -hmm. if it's, if it's preventable, if we can get there before they need to make that ER visit. So Based on your career path as a healthcare provider, why do you think there are gaps in care that cause readmissions? Boy, that, that that's a that's a loaded question, John. <laughs> <laughs> Omg, I, th I think we all as providers have our own certain uh, list of list of things that we why we think there are gaps in care. But what, sure. what, what I'd like to get your your perspective sure. on it. Sure. So ER, um, born and raised in the ER, I will always say that um, after my military career, um, I love the ER and I, I love the hospital setting, period. And you really do. You meet some unique patients that come through your path and then you start to see them again. Mm -hmm. And you're like, oh, wow, didn't we have this discussion? Why haven't you followed up? Or, mm -hmm. um, And so I started to kind of... Um, recognize there's some there's there's a gap somewhere something mm. is missing um now while i would love to spend 45 minutes in a room with a patient um it, those settings just would not allow that yeah. you know you got acute stimmies coming in strokes and what have you um not to mention the the opioid crisis that mm. we face so emergency rooms are very very busy um, and so I started to really kind of take a look back and say, what are these gaps? And then, you know, when I think about it in my mind, I think, well, there was a nursing shortage. Mm -hmm. There was a PCP, primary care kind of shortage as well. Um, and then we transitioned into hospitalists, which which was an amazing transition. Um and then I look at, you know, prior to the healthcare expansion, there were many millions of Americans that were either under, underinsured or just had no health care at all. Mm -hmm. um, and so for that, as Americans, as we continue to age, you know, we see these d chronic disease processes that just have really been left unchecked. Mm -hmm. And I think as we start to circle back and now we've expanded health care, um, I'm really hoping that these gaps are really going to kind of close in and, and even themselves out. But definitely this TCM model um, was probably, I, I would really say that it was 70% of one of the biggest healthcare gaps that, that we have nationally. Mm. Um, we expect people to get over an acute illness, um, insults, and we just kind of push them back into their settings, whether it's back home with family. And we expect that they understood and that they, they know everything. And, oh, maybe we forgot that the Versed was wearing off. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and they, they didn't really you know, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, um, understand everything uh, at their discharge. And so we just have to be really kind of willing to um, play on, on that end of the field Delivering, we, we, we are able to, as a society, um, change our way of operation. I, I think COVID did an excellent job. We recognized, you know, hospitals bursting open at the seam and, mm -hmm. and we, we set up new hospitals and emergency hospitals. And so that's what I feel like TCM recognizes is, wait a minute, 
you know, there, there's that gap between when we have um, completed the acute episode and, and, and now they are, are not intubated anymore and they can talk to us. There's that play now that we really have to take an investment in and really understanding what the patient is able to, you know, do and how they can move forward from that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know as a as a hospital based provider, it, it was amazing. Um, the you know these people come in with these acute issues, mm-hmm. and um, you know we're giving them all of this information, and we're assuming that they're absorbing all of Absolutely. it. And the reality is, they probably only heard five percent of what yeah. we said because they've got so many other things going on in their mind, like their concerns about when I go home. Yes. You know, am I gonna? Am I? If I, I live by myself, am I gonna be able to get up and move? Because right now I'm too weak, mm-hmm. and you know all of these new medications that they're that they are adding that I taking now that I wasn't taking before and do they have that understanding and I think unfortunately with the way that healthcare is right now it's we rely, we assume that a lot of things are being taken care of by other people mm-hmm. um, and I think that's where TCM kind of picks up that and brings it all together you know we talk to them about their medications we talk to them about their disease processes yeah, and and provide that education and then we bring in you know say home health right. um, for when they go home and home health we're partnering with to to really make sure that um, not just their health care needs, but other things like you had mentioned food scarcity you know do we need to get them involved with meals on wheels Absolutely. or um, you know it, some sort of transportation service you know maybe they have loved ones in the area but they work full-time and they need to follow up with these appointments and where can we work to work with home health to really bring all of this together to really guarantee them success in their recovery um, so I know you've been working a lot with our home health partners um, out yeah. in the community so how yeah, do you so I, I kind of touched on it a little bit it, but mm-hmm. really, where does home health with TCM, where does that all fit together? How do you, Can you really expand on that and, and talk about your experience with the home health folks that you've been dealing with? Sure. Um, as a TCM, uh, as the uh, APP, you know, our model at Legacy is designed to promote communication and connections um, between the hospital, post-acute, as well as community-based. And, and what we found is home health plays an integral part um, throughout the, a patient's care episode. Um, with home health, you, you get a high-valued, uh, needed services that are rendered in a timely manner. Mm-hmm. And this allows for a, an ongoing assessment to take place, um, which in turn may potentiate other needed services such as palliative care or mm-hmm. maybe even hospital care. Or, I'm sorry, hosp- hospice care. <laughs> Not hospital, but... Um, and it also can expedite uh, care follow-up um, with PCPs or specialists um, as warranted. So I say all that to say is um, home health is is uh, unique in a sense. It's It has a lot of moving parts to it. Mm-hmm. It can send out nurses. It can send out home health aides. Um, it and so just physical therapy, uh, occupational therapy, all those things are are provided in the comfort of the patient's home. And so when you've got a, a care team like that that's really on eyes with the patient daily, you really get to see what the buy-in is, again, mm-hmm. um, from the patient, their progress or, um, you know, um, 
or not, you know, not progress, you know, yeah. if they're, if they're actually, uh, you know, moving backwards and, and we're like, oh no, we, we've got to intercept again and provide these services. So mm-hmm. it's been really neat. And, and I love the, the home health nurses they call simply because of the way legacy, how we've, we've gone about, um, not trying to overwhelm the patient and family, but mm-hmm. actually putting our model out to them. It's kind of neat because I think the new language is going to be, uh, which in the past it was, I don't know, uh, call the hospital. I, I don't know the doctor's name, mm-hmm. but but I think that's what they told me in the hospital. Well, now what I'm seeing is the new language is like, Call Yolanda. And that's Mm. that one care provider that really kind of starts from the beginning and and has a a um, well-lit path that we've all kind of said, okay, this is what we're going to do. It really provides the patient and the family members that they're like, wait a minute, you know, call Yolanda over at Legacy Care. Uh, Mm -hmm. She'll understand or, or she'll know about it because we discussed this. Um, so that that it's it's really proving to be already um, just in this short amount of time that our services are have have been greatly needed and and mm-hmm. why we have to this is definitely going to be sustainable. Yeah. Well, it certainly sounds like you're the the center of the you're kind of bringing all the moving parts together mm-hmm. um, and just making sure that we're all functioning um, to the benefit of the patient. Um, you know, with, regardless of which community partner it is, whether it's home health or uh, any of the other, you know, primary care, you know, physicians that you're reaching out to that, you know, they have a good relationship already with the patient. And so just kind of, I say, greasing the skids, so right. to speak, to get them past that 30 day mark and really Absolutely. guarantee their success. So uh, on that, so do you, I know we've had this discussion before, do you, but um, I'm going to put it out there for everybody. So do you replace a patient's primary care provider? And if not, how do you stay connected with the patient's care teams? <laughs> That's a great question, and, and it's neat because uh, I feel like that question is more asked by the staff. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> they, yeah, they're, they, they're like, can we just call you for uh-huh. everything they, forever? They and and yeah. the patients are usually like, oh, this is great. You know, I've got um, someone that I'm going to be able to um, connect with and, and call. Not saying, you know, primary cares, like I said, they're just recovering from a shortage um, and so their patient load is st- still can be overwhelming, hence mm-hmm. why they don't, you know, round. Most of them don't mm-hmm. round in the hospital, right? We leave that up to the hospitalist. Right. So this service really provides, it's it's that, I watch a lot of TV. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but I like to look at um, what Legacy is providing is the first 48. Have you ever watched that show? <laughs> oh, yeah. You know? oh, um, yeah. And so, you know, we're going to solve this puzzle in 48 hours. And that's kind of the approach that I try to really give to the patients. Um, it's it's definitely, you know, 48 hours. We're going to make some sort of a telephonic or face-to-face um, contact with the patient. We're really going to gain that knowledge on any concerns and barriers they may have. Mm-hmm. Um, and then CMS has, has a, a guideline where they really, it's a 7 to 14 day, still kind of gray area for mm-hmm. the patient when they return back to their setting. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we're there for them. Mm-hmm. And, it, and that all encapsulate, encapsulates a 30-day a, a window mm-hmm. um, is, is what we're gaining so it's, it's, you know, with this being a relatively new service to legacy, mm-hmm. um, if I had to 
sum it up in words, I would say, are we the 30-day prime advocates? You know, um, it's not necessarily a PCP. um, And we're not here to step on any PCPs. You know, we understand that relationship. Mm -hmm. If anything, we want to foster their relationships with their PCPs and specialists. We really Mm -hmm. want to, um, you know, recognize that this patient will be no longer five years is is checkup or her mm. checkup you know? right and so but that's a great question and, and and concern that a lot of people have like mm-hmm. i said more the staff than the patient right but um we're not here to take the pcp's role at yeah. all I, I think it's more that we just kind of hold the patient's hand through that first 30 Absolutely. days um and then we kind of wrap them up in a neat little package and pass them back to their pcp yep. or if they don't have one um we really work well with the, the social workers in the hospital Absolutely. and um, the folks at home health to really um, guide them back into the healthcare system right. um, on a non-acute side so that they can continue that follow-up uh, and minimize those er visits and those Absolutely. return to, those readmissions to the hospital yeah. so um it's building I, that healthcare structural bridge so right. to speak absolutely so they can cross it Absolutely. So I, I know you have been a huge advocate of this since we approached you with it, but what inspires you most about TCM? Ah, another loaded question. Do we have another 30 minutes? <laughs> no, no. I, no, I, I know I could. I could really go on and on. And um, so when I was approached with this, I had to pinch myself a couple times. Um, because like I said, when we were talking about uh, what spins our wheels of mm. You know why these gaps are here, um, and so when I was actually approached with uh, a practice that was willing to actually take the time and commitment, um, and and dedicating an advanced practice provider, I was just I tried to pinch myself a couple times. I'm like, hmm. could this really be? Could this be it? Um, most TCM models in the past were nurse driven, mm-hmm. um, and so. That's a good thing. Don't get me wrong, but they don't have the prescriptive authority, mm-hmm. um, and so they were still kind of things would go undone or mm-hmm. you know not certified. Um, definitely uh, medication reconciliation addressed in a more um, pharmaceutical mm-hmm. path. Um, yeah, and, and so. Uh, uh, that's why I was just like, wow, this is it. I've landed, like, finally. I've been kind of searching for that. Um, and so it's interactive care. Um, like I said, it's unique. It's a non-traditional um, uh, advanced provider role. I imagine some of the relationships that, that – um, I can see it in the future. Uh, for instance, like I said, the, the lady, she was so cute telling me about all her farming animals. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh, boy, there's some, some potential I could be wrestling a, a chicken for <laughs> if I do a face-to-face. But, you know, <laughs> hey, if that's what it takes so that, you know, her brother is, is okay, then I'm willing to do it. But, um, like I said, um, so the inspiration has always been here. I think it's just being able to finally land on the legacy lamp. <laughs> <laughs> has uh, it's just it's been awesome. Awesome. So, so uh, well, clearly this is an innovative uh, approach to care. So based on your experience, why do you think we haven't had a solution like this in place in healthcare until now? Again, 
That's because we hadn't run into legacy care. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, it is. It, it's just that. TCM, it's innovative. It's outside the healthcare norm. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really raising the par on identifying hospital readmissions. Um, and a lot of time, uh, you know, they, they just... Um, we just don't have a lot of commitment yeah. from other practices. And yeah. so that's why I think it's, it's, it's important. Hospitalists are great, but we needed a team, um, you know, that, that like legacy is doing that recognizes, Hey, um, we need that middle collaboration piece. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we are able to address, um, the patient's, concerns and and we're going to provide favorable outcomes you know that's that's what we're going to see from this yeah awesome okay so yeah i just to kind of um branch off a little bit on that i i think that in the experiences that i've had um in interacting with other teams whether they're hospital groups or they are um, skilled nursing facilities who are also partnering with and in home health I think the novice approach that we're having with this of, of coming across and saying, we're going to be your go-to person. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I've, I, you can speak to this yourself because you certainly have seen a lot more of it than I have. But I have found that there's a lot of buy-in because people realize this is a very needed service. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. I just took a phone call um, at one of our partners uh, down in, in the Tri-City area. Um, and the social worker was just, you know, excited. She was, I got this four-page email on a very complicated patient and <laughs> I thought I better call you because she says I see your name throughout the chart you know and 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 we both just decided just you know hour prior to coming here um this is needed mm-hmm. there are a lot of things that have just gone um by the wayside mm-hmm. and, and it's because maybe you know this patient just doesn't have that running back that she yeah. needs um and so she's very excited i'm excited yeah um to really kind of establish this care connection and start getting patients the things that they need so that they're successful and they can really get through these acute on chronic ill episodes mm-hmm. so yeah all right. So, well, I've really enjoyed our conversation today. Yeah. Um, I know awesome. Legacy Care, we, we all agree that we're very fortunate to have an yeah. experienced provider like you caring for and advocating for our patients. Right. But before we close, are there any final points you'd like our listeners to know? Sure. Absolutely. Uh, I thank you again for giving me this opportunity to really put this out there. Absolutely. Um, but I do want to point out that, you know, I, I don't want people to think that TCM is, is, is new. It's, it's not new. Mm. Um, it's a core component that um, we have been um, discussing, and, and it's, it's out there. You mm-hmm. know, this product has been rigorous, rigorous, I can never say that word, sorry, <laughs> Um, with years of uh, patients that were observed, Mm -hmm. looked at, um, using a multidisciplinary um, efforts. So thousands of chronically ill adults and families and caregivers um, collectively contributed to uh, the refinements of all elements of this care management strategy. So this is really TCM. Um, it's widely disseminated, although new, like I said, to legacy care. Uh-huh. Um, it has been proven to work. Um, and it's recognized as a top-tiered 
um, evidence-based approach, high-level uh, transition of care that really makes a difference on hospital readmissions. And um, again, I can't reinforce it. I, I'm so excited to be a part of a team that recognizes this, and we are going to full charge ahead and, and make our, our population a lot healthier. All right. Well, thank you for your time. Absolutely. It's been great. All right. Thank you for listening to the Legacy Lamp podcast. This is a forum for healthcare professionals and consumers. It's a place where providers working at the front lines discuss healthcare industry topics. Visit lgslegacycare.com to learn more about our organization and find archived copies of this show. Thanks for listening.